Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. My name is Aaron, and on the podcast today, we are joined by longtime pal of mine. Welcome, Mr. Gabe Lee, to the show, everybody. Gabe, how are you? What up? I'm good. Checking in from Tahoe City. Um, it's been a heck of a run so far. We got another month left out here on the road. How long have you been on the road so far? Um, about um, almost two months. Almost Dude, two that's months. You're, you're real life road dogging it here. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a blast. You know, we've been we've been pretty uh, blessed as far as um, you know, just travels and and smooth roads and and weather and um, knock on wood, of course. And um, you know, the the uh, the places that we visited, we've all met some great fans. I've never played out here. I've never gigged in California before. So we started we started in Texas in March um, in the Midwest and kind of made our way out here. Um, and uh, we've we've made a lot of friends and. Uh, you know, sold sold some merch here and there that helps us get by. So we're we're doing it, man. That's awesome. See, I I'm honestly trying to go back because how I start pretty much the only thing that's ever consistent between all of our podcasts here is uh, how I met my guests, and I honestly don't remember how you and I met. Do you remember? Man, I want to say I want to say it was uh, it was Belcourt Taps. You know, that's that's a pretty um, common denominator amongst a lot of the people yeah. uh, here in town. Oh, yeah. There were a few years there. Um, I lived in Hillsborough Village, so I was right, you know, right a couple blocks away from Belcourt. And, um, yeah, for those couple of years, um, we were we were burning it down pretty hard <laughs> uh, at Belcourt Taps at least twice, three times a week Um with you know, sweet rose and Monteverde and all those crazy mothers. The old, the old school, uh, old school Nashville stuff. The the COVID, the pre COVID stuff. Twenty twenty. Man, BC. that place. Yeah, what a what a circus. Yeah, what a circus. I feel. I've, have you seen? I guess uh, you you probably haven't since you've been on tour. But what they have done with the building since it closed. Uh uh-uh. uh it's been painted white and it's now a, uh, it's now a dumpling restaurant. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. It's a dumpling I mean, restaurant it, now. You know, um, the memories will never die though. You know, you could, you could paint that building whenever you want. It's, it's always going to be, um, Belcourt taps and it's in the very like, you know, seeped into like the wood at the bottom <laughs> and the foundation of the, of the concrete there. It will always uh, the spirit of of Belcourt Taps will always be there, man. You know, I kind of I've uh, said the same kind of stuff with that. It's like I wish the owners knew what kind of stuff happened there, because I'm sure that I'm sure they don't. They were like, oh, it was a bar and it was a venue, but I was like, I know I personally took pl- or took part in some of the like debauchery of that place. And you're right, it is. It's like it's a ghost of songwriters past. Like <laughs> it, it was just, it was, uh, well, it was I mean, crazy. Truly, truly, um, a uh, a great environment just for artists, songwriters moving to town, or um, you know, picking up a guitar and hopping on stage, doing open mics and songwriter rounds. Uh, it's such a great networking environment. Um, obviously, you know, it's a, like you said, common denominator for many folks who trace back to, you know, how they, how they first started networking in Nashville. Um, and, and it had a lot of good history too. I mean, as far as like artists coming up and playing there, 
um, yeah, it was it was truly a, a a spot to be if you were you know playing out. I mean, now we've got um, you know we got Live Oak and everything that um, you know Demumbrian was and will become. Who knows? Um, and then of course we have you know everything that the tourist stop does at the different places you've set mm-hmm. up. But man, yeah, Belcourt Taps like it was it was a circus. But I look back on it on those days fondly. I really do too. So uh, when did you first move to when did you first move to Nashville? Um, I was born there. I grew up there, man. Really, you're a native Nashvilleian. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I uh, my parents moved to to Tennessee um, in like the mid '80s, and okay. they're out in, they're out in Bellevue, and they still are um, same house that that they bought when they first moved here. And my brother and I were born here in Nashville, or there in Nashville. I say it like I'm actually home. Um, <laughs> and um, it's always been. Uh, it was, it's a completely different town than the one I grew up in. I mean, right. geez, like, um, now there's, there's a lot of sentimental parts, uh, of Nashville that I hope remain forever. Um, and of course, as a songwriter and as an artist and musician, there's, there's the places that you hope stick around, like, like Belcourt Taps or like Douglas Corner, but alas, you know, that, that's what happens when a, when a town grows, develops, becomes more commercial. Yeah, you kind um, of just want your that, places yeah. to grow up eventually, but you you kind of they they lose the charm. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's nice to like places like um, places like Austin, right, Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's it's it's very similar vibe. I mean, there's so much development and real estate crap and commercialism happening there, but like there's still a good amount of dust, you know, and and grit on those bones and, and on those boots in, in Austin. So I just hope that, um, I think there's a community in Nashville that values that, that charm, right. That, that grittiness that is not all, you know, polished and shined. Um, not everything so, looks I mean, like yeah, a gulch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I it in the gulch for years, man. Oh, and, did you really? Um, it's, yeah, it's a, you know, downtown, like, that's its own, that's its own circus. Where did you bartend in the gulch? Uh, there's a restaurant called Sunda and it's like, I it's guess, it's, place, I guess it's right? like a new Asian kind of like, yeah, it's like a fusion. Um, and you know, really, really good folks were running it. Um, and, and still do. And when they first opened, um, I, uh, had some bartender buddies working there and they, they brought me in. I started as a bar back and, um, I'd been in restaurants, I've been in restaurants all my life, but I started there and then ended up, uh, getting a great gig as a bartender for several years there. Loved it. I mean, you know, we were catering to, we were catering to the crowd that you imagine is downtown, yeah. right? Tourists and, and conventions and bachelorette parties. Um, but I mean, for a long time, that was, that was paying my rent. So how did you make the, the jump from being a full-time bartender bar back to being a musician on the road? Yeah, very slowly, very, very <laughs> slowly. Um, you know, so much of it was, uh, the, the, obviously the flexibility of, of the food industry and the music industry going out on the road for weekends here and there getting private gigs, getting stuff on, you know, someone's farm or getting tiny festivals here and there. Um, and just slowly, slowly testing the market. I mean, you have to have resources to go out on the road because like most times you're not, most times you're breaking even and you're counting yourself lucky if, if you break even. Right. So, um, making it to places that are outside of the Southeast is, was really difficult. So, um, the last, it's only in the last couple of years, I would say we have, successfully um you know marketed my music um and and been able to uh get out to places 
listening rooms, venues, theaters, bars, pubs, whatever they may be, with a decent enough like guarantee that we're gonna at least break even, um, maybe make a couple bucks. Um, but it takes it takes years of that crap, just building and building and building, having merch, um, um, learning tricks and of the trade, and and just making sure that you know when you do come home, um, you when you do come home off the road that you have at least a little bit of money to pay, <laughs> to pay your rent and all that. <laughs> yeah. You got a little bit of something left over so that you can actually afford to go on the next tour. <laughs> uh, it's hard. So are you road dogging it pretty much all year long or after this leg of your tour, are you going to take some time off? Uh, it, it's, it's still come. We still got stuff coming in, man. Um, and it's, it's great. Like, cause the, uh, the Margos, the, the, the duo that I'm touring with now, with right now they have their own booking agent and i have my own booking agent and they have separate territories but since we since we tour together so much and we back each other up on stage um we it's kind of like a you know it's a combination of the uh of their abilities the from a booking side so we we have stuff rolling in still um uh great festivals here and there some stuff in the uk um we're going back up to yeah we're going back up to the uh to the new um new england new york area in uh, November. Um, and, uh, just coming up with ideas to like put, uh, put good runs together, even if they're just like a couple of weekends here and there. Um, I'm trying to, uh, there's some artists, songwriters, um, Caleb Cottle and Thomas Sorba. Uh, we're trying to do like, um, like a in the round thing and take that on the road. Just three, three songwriters with three guitars kind of thing. Um, and of course the Margos, um, they're, they're booking some great shows too. So we're, we're looking out for whatever we can take, really. Yeah, Rachel and Luciana freaking slay, dude. I met them ages ago. I think it was at Belcourt, actually. But I, I, the first time I saw them, I was just floored. Like, they're they're so tight as an act, and their harmonies are just pitch perfect, man. Oh, I know. They're, they're so much fun, too, to be around. And, I mean, we're all, yeah, we're all buddies, which makes being on the road here for, you know, three months, um, like, uh, a fun, a fun process. It's, there's, there's very little like you know, issues as far as, um, you know, like travel schedules or, um, you know, um, any sort of like whatever you would, whatever you might have on the road, right. living in a van with people for three months. Um, <laughs> like we, we all, well, you know, we communicate very well and, um, you know, they, I'm the early riser of the group. So I get Are up really? at like nine yeah, I take oh which I never thought would ever be the case. You could ask my girlfriend. This is I, it's like completely weird, but like all of a sudden I'm the early riser. I get up at like nine. I I do my thing. I shower. I come down, you know, to the hotel or wherever we are and work, and um, and then the girls sleep till like noon, and then they call down to the lobby and ask for a late late checkout. So they <laughs> usually <laughs> we they usually are in bed till like one uh, one p.m. and um that. I was gonna. I was hoping that they'd be awake so that uh, they could uh, they could kind of pop in on this and, and and video bomb this podcast. But, but I think they're they're, still, they're definitely they're asleep, the aren't they? <laughs> dead I, to the world, man. I have partied with those girls before, and they don't fuck around. They like. Oh yeah. They, they go big. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're not we, starting. We all with hold a, our own pretty good. Yeah, they're not starting with a light beer. They're going right to whiskey neat. <laughs> Oh yeah, we we are you know we are we consider ourselves um, uh, people of of whiskey and bourbon out here. It's it's a lot of fun. So like I was, like I said, I was joking around earlier. Like I mean, yeah, the loading in, the load out, the driving. I mean, 
you know, if you're driving seven hours and then you play a show like that is exhausting, but it's all very gratifying and humbling and fun at the same time. I think the hardest part honestly is the partying. It's like afterwards, <laughs> like you finish loading out and all your, all your stuff. And then, you know, you're hanging out usually with, you know, the venue owners or, um, hanging out at the bar, grabbing one last drink. And, and then of course you're, you have to be up the next morning and on the road again. So, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a balance that's required that, uh, we are, we are learning. Also. So one of the things I've asked several people about before, and it, I think it's kind of a, kind of a contested subject here in town, because I know a lot of young songwriters who moved to town fresh off the boat. And they're like, I need to have a manager. I need to have a booking agent. I'm like, you don't have any kind of credential to justify that. So at your point in your career, when did you start feeling like there was a, an actual need for needing somebody to help you out on that back end admin work? Oh, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's different for everybody, man. Um, like, cause if you, if you sign with a label that has a ton of resources um, and they're really trying to develop you, then yeah, by all means, I mean, take like, you know, bleed them for every dollar they have. <laughs> um, I mean, of course, depending on how much you have to pay back, um, there's so many different options and deals. I would say definitely approach with caution, everything that is offered to you. Right. I mean, that's, that's just, I think uh, music industry one-on-one is to, is to come at things with a, a fair un- amount of skepticism because um, you don't want to end up um, working with, you don't want to end up in a situation that you regret, obviously, because it's your career we're talking about. And, and, and careers are volatile and they're delicate and they take a lot of patience and time to build. So if you, if you feel like you've got something that is going to skyrocket you overnight, it's probably not. So, you know, definitely be careful of what folks are promising you. Um, I, I was, I was, once I moved back to Nashville from, from school, I went to school in Indiana briefly. Um, and I came back to Nashville and, uh, I had taken some time away from music in the classroom. I was, I was a piano performance major at Belmont. And then I kind of left town and went and studied, um, journalism and literature. So, but of course, you know, when I moved back to Nashville, the first thing I did was get back with my <laughs> band buddies, uh, play at every bar possible and, um, you know, weddings and, bar mitzvahs and graduation parties, all that mm-hmm. crap. So, um, I mean, I was, I was writing songs and just exploring the, um, the writing scene, Delcourt Taps, uh, Bluebird, Bobby's Idol Hour, right. Um, homes for songwriters and just getting to know the uh, community. Um, I'd say it was probably, uh, about, about five or six years ago. I met Alex Torres. He was uh, at an open mic, um, upstairs at Tennessee Blue Books, just grabbing a burger, just grabbing dinner with his family. And I played a couple songs. He was intrigued and, and he gave me a business card and he came to the next show and the next show after that. So we, we developed a relationship. I looked him up, I vetted him. Um, and, um, by all accounts, he was, he was a smart dude, a trustworthy guy. And, uh, we just ended up on a very, very basic deal going in and cutting, um, my first record farmland, which we released in 2019. So, and it was very bare bones, very raw. Thank you. Yeah. Raw acoustic record, just Luciano and Dobro, me, and then us singing some harmony. So it was, it wasn't like I was going in and cutting a $30,000 record. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we had a, I was, it's, you know, he's an artist development. So he really was developing me, um, the ground floor. I mean, I, I didn't have any previous workout before that. So, um, I, I really, really where the, the the help that was needed i think was um was introducing folks to, in his network and 
even then, like, even if he would drag me into like the, uh, the president of BMI's office, like you still have to, you still have to prove yourself. You have to prove that you're not a dick bag and you have to prove that, you know, you can, you can get along with folks and, um, and kind of like, you know, win folks over just, just outside of the music thing, you know, just like just getting to know folks. And, um, even then it's not like anybody can snap their fingers and just make it happen for you. That is so freaking rare. Um, so that was, that was five, six years ago. I first started with Torres and we're still working together. We've, We've uh, put out three records together, another one coming this year in July. And then um, now, just this past year, we finally have the booking agent thing. We have a, a second manager coming on to help us. Um, and it, you know, now, now it's sort of like we've built enough of a foundation to continue to build upon it. But, I mean, again, yeah, if you, if you have opportunities, just approach them with, with skepticism and, and – and, Try to make they try to make the best choices. It's hard because you get excited when people offer you things, right? If so many talented artists in Nashville, and they're just they, who can just sing and play their butts off, and um, you know someone tells you they've got a deal for you, um, like you should absolutely take any opportunity you can. We all need all that help we can get. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a difficult industry. It's complex. So you said you've you're getting ready to put out a new record. Is this the record that's going to contain Even Jesus Got the Blues, the new single? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Even Jesus, and um, there's another. The record's going to be called Drink the River, and it's a bunch of stories I've collected from my friends, family, traveling on the road, people just telling me their life story, you know, kind of thing, and and I me taking notes on it and and ultimately writing songs out of those, those shared human experiences. Um, yeah. Yeah. Drink the river. Um, shit will be out in July. That's great, man. And see something I've always appreciated about your music is you're, you're not doing this traditional pop country Nashville thing. You're very Americana, very like very classic kind of rootsy gritty sounding, especially yeah, even going I, back I think, to honky tonk hell. A, yeah. <laughs> I, it's got, I think it just is, um, you know, everyone has to find their voice and a lot of folks, um, even, you know, 20, 30 years in their career, I think, I think the most, I think the, the folks that I look up to are continuing to find their voice. So, um, when we first started cutting records, I mean, I mean, I, I don't have a voice that sounds like contemporary pop country. So, um, we just, you know, I was lucky to have producers like Alex Torres, David Dorn, who um, made me, encouraged me and, and made me feel like, okay, my voice had a, had a place. Um, and the stories that I had written had a place and had potential. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of folks chase a sound, um, which is, you know, how you, how you motivate yourself, challenge yourself and, and inspire yourself. Um, but then, the best thing I think that can happen for an artist is when you create your own sound. Right. Um, and then, you know, you don't sound like anybody else. Um, I think, I think that scares a lot of folks. Uh, it does scare because, people because they want to fit into a box of what they think people already like. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden when someone's like, yeah, I don't really know what, you, what, what to call you. Like, what, what are you? And you're like, well, that's good because it means I've done something unique. <laughs> I mean, geez, you, you like, there's so many good stories of, like just in the history of music of, you know, 
publishers who and um, and producers who who have all the clout and all the power, uh, who are telling bands and artists, this, you know, this is this will never go to radio. This won't work. Like this is too different. This is too blah blah blah. And then they and then they make history and then they come and out with something one of the no best one's ever heard ever. of before. You know, so like you you gotta. It, there's definitely a healthy mindset to to saying, okay, like I'm going to be honest with myself. Is my songwriting going to fit in this box? Because if not, then I should not expect the people in the box to accept me. Like it just doesn't make sense. But that doesn't you don't need their acceptance if you have your own sound and and you believe in it. Now, I mean that's not to say if you create your own sound, other people will <laughs> will, will hop on board. I mean it takes it takes a lot it takes a lot of um, so honesty, right, with yourself, um, and 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 but you know, again, if you if you have if you develop your own sound, there there are times, right, where you create a whole new movement, which is which is uh, I think what what every artist strives for, like you know, deep within. Right. So, when did songwriting start coming into the picture for you as a, as a creative? Was it was it always something you did as a kid? Uh, yeah, I mean, as a as a middle schooler, high schooler, I was, it was like, you know, getting your heart broken kind of stuff. Like, yeah. um, but I, I was lucky cause all my, all my buddies, um, they were all artists and songwriters and, um, we were, we were very interested in, um, we were very interested. Did I just, did I just disappear nope. there for a second? Sorry. No, I still see. Um, we were, we were very interested in, in, uh, particular writers that were really good storytellers. Um, and growing up in Nashville, I mean, a lot of my buddies' parents were, um, in bands or writers or, um, producers. And, um, we were definitely motivated, um, to, to try to be good musicians and, and good writers in our own mindset. Of course, we had different phases. You know, we had, we had our Red Hot Chili Peppers phase. We had our <laughs> Taking Back Sunday phase. Um, uh, Bright Eyes, Connor Oberst kind of stuff we loved. Um, and of course we, I grew up around, um, the, just the legacy in general of Nashville country music and Southern, you know, Southern rock. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was writing because I felt, uh, because my friends were doing it and, um, yeah, I, I had, that was, it was, a, I realized immediately that was a phenomenal outlet for your emotions, right? That might be the most productive. This I did it because my friends were doing it ever. <laughs> yeah, right? Honestly, uh, usually, I mean, you know, we were doing, we were doing other shit too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other shit that, that kids that are supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah, that might not be as admirable, but. Dude, I'm, I'm so happy to have you on. Can you tell us about what the, uh, what the, evolution of your music has looked like over the years or do you think you've kind of stayed pretty consistent with that kind of rootsy americana sound it's, i think it sure is i mean it, it we've experimented um um with with different band setups in the studio i mean having having access to uh, in nashville one one great um one great thing about the industry here is that like a-list players are very accessible um and a-list players i think most importantly are willing to um, hop in a studio for for the regular day rate and um, play on a record that you know for an, for a brand new artist um, and then next weekend they're on the road with freaking Kenny Chesney you know <laughs> um, so like the the players in Nashville 
um, it's like, it, it feels like cheating. I mean, you can go in the studio and hire this incredible band and they will create a sound for you. So um, we've definitely experimented with that, hiring um, pedal steel players, electric guitar players. Um, I played keys on a lot of my stuff and guitar. And then, um, but I, you know, I can't, I can't shred like, like most um, Broadway players like down there on, on the strip. So we hire, we hire certain, um, certain paid guns to come on and, and, um, and play some shows with us, but most importantly, help us out on the record. Um, so the last two records I did, Hometown Kid and Honky Tonk Hill, were definitely amped up and plugged in. Um, they're definitely rock records um, with a streak of uh, John Prine in there once in a while, mm. storytelling. Um, and then um, this this record that we're working on here that we uh, completed over the winter, Drink the River, is um, is is back to roots, um, back to um, what inspired me uh, as a as a musician um, to to fall in love with like like bluegrass and gospel and, um, and, and folk music. Right. So, um, it's, uh, we hired some, we found some mandolin players, uh, a fiddle player that we've worked with for a long time, Jason Roller. Um, he even, even picks banjo. So we, we threw some banjo in there. Um, so we, we, we cut a folk record over the winter and it's kind of going back to the roots. Man, I'm so happy to, uh, to get to have you for a little bit. There's just a couple more things I want to go over and then I'll let you get back to your life on the road. How about that? All right. <laughs> so you're on the road a lot. Uh, if you, if you, let's say you had this unlimited budget, what kind of band build would you want to have behind you? Obviously we love the gr- the Margo girls, uh, but what else would you want to have in the van with you backing you up? Well, I'd love to, um, I love at some point to create a show that kind of features, features it all. So from the solo songwriter thing, to um to more folky arrangements with fiddle and dobro and then also introduce um me leading me singing lead and playing lead from the piano freaking billy joel style right um and um and backed up with a full with a full rock band full rock ensemble so um you know that's it's like a it'd be like a seven seven piece kind of setup um, but really, I, I think it's, I think there's a, in country right now, there's not really, uh, any, any front people, front persons playing from, from the piano. There's uh, not. And yeah, so I, I think that would make it, I think that would make the sound even more uh, authentic and unique to, uh, to my story and, and, and my career. And, um, yeah, that's, that's ultimately what I, what I would love to do. And just, you know, of course, we're talking if you're talking like tour budget i mean like we're we're in a we're in an old van right now um uh, it's like a 2010 chevy express um that we uh we stole from a catholic family in michigan um <laughs> but it's it still has the catholic sticker like catholic school sticker on it really <laughs> um it's it's actually you know we didn't steal it obviously we paid a fair price but it's um it's been great very comfortable and all that. And then we crash at Airbnbs or hotels or honestly, when we're lucky, we have um, friends or family in the area that put us up, which is like a lifesaver. Um, but uh, I would obviously the comfort of, of traveling on the road is like paramount because otherwise you're not in a good place mentally or physically. So, um, you know, any, 
any any uh, ideal situation with uh, with resources and a budget would, of course, come with like, you know, uh, hopefully a bus or a bigger van trailer, that kind of stuff. Um, private jet. But, uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, if we, <laughs> private jet. Um, yeah. And you, you, you'd be welcome anytime, Aaron. So the last thing I want to get into is something that I think you might not have even known about me is I also come from a piano background. And I'd love to know how your piano playing influenced your music early on, because I'm sure you didn't start with uh, learning how to play just the chords, the caged chords, and just writing songs on top of that. I'm sure you had like a classical background, didn't you? Right. Yeah, I was I was in um you know private lessons as a kid. My mom's a classical piano player, um, and yeah, so I was playing like Chopin and Brahms. Um, I fucking hated Mozart. I can't stand Mozart. Um, it was like <laughs> when you when you when you're in um I was in a pre college um, program at Blair School of Music, which is uh, Van Vanderbilt's uh, music mm-hmm. sector music department, and um so they take it they take they took it very seriously. So in like high school. Um, I was playing uh, recitals, competitions, but also juries, right? So if you've ever mm-hmm. been to music school, like juries are like your exams, basically, at the end of each semester. And, um, uh, you know, it, it would involve learning. You had to learn a different piece every semester. You had to have it memorized. And it, it had to be um, uh, from from a different each, like four pieces. And each one had to be from a different period, right? Um, so, you know, we, sometimes you were... Yeah, most piano players just would love to play Chopin forever. Um, but so like, oh, yeah, growing up with a classical background and also playing in the church um, uh, uh, it, and then you tack on just playing in, in like garage bands and stuff yeah. and a concert band at school and jazz band, um, doing everything you can just to, you know, get your hands on music. Um, so that, that would, that would lead to just, you know, my friends and I writing and jamming. And um, when I decided to leave, Belmont leave piano performance um it it was liberating you know because I was like all right I'm not stuck in this practice room anymore and I'm not (laughs) I'm not required uh I'm not required to learn any specific uh music right you know you get to a point where you're just like all right this is like it it does feel kind of like you're in a box um and it takes a certain personality too to be like a concert musician no kidding Um, because yeah it's it's that's that's no joke um it's a it's a very respectable, I think, career, but it's also, you know, it takes, again, it takes a certain personality. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we just started, my buddies and I would, you know, we took our classical backgrounds and, you know, just messed it all up. And we're, we're playing along with like, you know, Leonard Skinner and Southern rock bands and stuff like that. So applying it to rock um, and roll, man. <laughs> yeah. Rock and roll, baby. I mean, now, and now, I mean, in, uh, I I try to I try to play keys for as many folks as I can when I get the opportunity to. I just it's it's so much fun. Um, like just I love being part of the band, right? Being in the back and not having any responsibility besides just covering my part. So mm-hmm. there's a there's a honky tonker in um, Texas named Braxton Keith, great singer, um, kind of like a Tracy Lawrence vibe, and um, he uh, he works on he's one of the. Uh, uh, artists on the label that uh that i work with so um you know i'll go out and play play keys with him every once in a while that's cool um which i like honky tonk keys yeah so you know that that kind of stuff um i'm really grateful to have but as a songwriter i mean it it's so easy on a guitar you know it's just so easy <laughs> on a, on a six string acoustic 
don't really um, have to, to watch your job hand too hard. <laughs> yeah, right. You just anchor it down on those C A G E D chords, and then and then you don't even have to wash you your hand. <laughs> Gabe, thank you for uh, hopping onto the show today. I know you're on the road and you've got yeah. other things going on. Can you give us your plugs, rename your album, tell us where we can find you online and tell us where we can find your tour dates? Absolutely. So uh, the website's GabeLeeTN.com and that has all of our like access to the latest stuff, the news, the um, the new releases, uh, merchandise and, and tour info. Um, we love it when folks follow us on bands in town. That's, that's a really handy way to see who's coming to your town. Uh, and then uh, I've got a new record coming July 14th called Drink the River, uh, which is coming fast on the heels of my 2020 record, The Hometown Kid, which came out um, October of, of 2022. Um, yeah, you can find me on socials. I'm at I'm Mr. Gabe Lee um, on, on pretty much all the socials, including Venmo. If you just want to send me money, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> no well, complaints there. <laughs> find and follow Gabe Lee on your social media. Gabe, before we take off, I got one last question, and it's the only other question I ask every episode now. For people who might not live in town or who may want to visit town or kids who are just moving to Nashville, do you have any advice for the city of Nashville, and especially as a local? And this doesn't have to be music industry related. Like the advice I always give people is not to eat at the East Nashville Taco Bell. Like, do you have any pro <laughs> tips of Nashville you can offer to the listeners here? Let them into our world a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, explore the, explore the, um, um, the, the, the off, you know, beaten paths. Like the West side of town has, has great like Vietnamese food. Um, South side has great Mexican food. Um, there's, there's a lot more than meets the eye to Nashville because folks move there and they think, okay, hot chicken, barbecue and, and Broadway. Right. <laughs> um, but they're, there's so much more to the town. I think I think one thing that's difficult when you move to a town that that has is full of transplants is it, it's hard to it's hard to develop a foundation because um, it feels like for a lot of folks you're starting from scratch and there's there's so many folks like who are just like looking to network and and use folks to you know get to the next level. You know, everyone's just trying to level up, right? And sometimes it's hard to make legitimate friends that way. So. Um, yeah, find, find a community. I, I, I say Bobby's Idol Hour. Bobby's Idol Hour, if you're, if you're not, not even if you're in music, if you're just looking for a good hang, um, that's the place that my buddies and I have set up shop over the years. And just, it's a great place to go. And even in the daytime, you can just grab a guitar off the wall and play. Right off um, of Music Row there. That's right. Yeah. Um, Actually, so, it's the only venue on Music Row now, right? Um, it, yeah. I mean, it is like the last bastion of of um of, of songwriter rooms actually on music row so yeah so check out bobby's idol hour well gabe mm -hmm. thank you for being on the show today we'll link your website here in the episode description and nice. any anything else you want to leave the listeners with that's about it keep rocking folks thank you so much aaron for having me I, um i hope we get to catch up when i get back in town i'd be happy to see you buddy well We'll, uh, we'll tune off for the day, but until next time, please remember that all roads lead right back here to the Nashville Tour Stop. <laughs>